Hello everybody and welcome back to the Mummy Means Business podcast. Today I'm really excited to be joined by Bemi Sola Isimi, who is the founder of Culture Tree Centre, which is a cultural and recreational hub that preserves and promotes African arts, languages and culture. Um, Culture Tree provides languages, cl- language classes for adults and children. They also provide arts and crafts workshops, online courses and many more. Make sure you check them out um, on, at their website, culturetree.co.uk or you can find them on Instagram at Culture Tree. Um, and if you're around the South London area, they're actually based in Peckham. So if you go on their website, you find their address. Feel free to pop in. They have lots of things um um, available for adults and kids um i'm really excited to have bemi on today i've actually admired her work for a while um i've seen i don't know if um, anyone saw her interview on bbc um where she was discussing um her work and her business and it actually really motivated me to ensure that my son who's just under one fully um understands my native language which is Yoruba as well as speak it even if he doesn't speak it fluently but he's able to speak it in some work because um I have noticed even some of my friends who are my age have no idea how to they don't understand like Yoruba or know how to speak it and I don't want it to be a dying language in my and my family so seeing her um really inspire not just children but also adults um actually really encouraged me to do this in my own home so I'm really really excited to have her here today where she'll be talking about how she was able to turn this niche into a profitable profitable business so yeah thank you so much Bemi for your time (laughs) thank you Victoria thank you for inviting me of course um so before we kind of get started into um the questions about business how has motherhood been for you in general do you feel like you know you're raising your children in the same way that you have been raised yourself um motherhood wow I feel I feel like it's I'm so far gone into it and well my my first is six years old and um my second Kanye she just turned four so it's been a while it's been a I've, I've had a lot of ex- like you know six years experience is not it's not small beans as no. we say <laughs> I mean it's been it's been really really good it's gone really really fast actually to be honest um but yeah no it's been really motherhood has been amazing um and we got to your question about how is it different from how I was raised? I was actually raised by my grandmother. So it's slightly different in terms of like, you know, and where I grew up as well. I grew up in Nigeria, uh, Lagos, Nigeria. Obviously I'm raising my kids here in the UK. It's a totally different environment. Um, so, you know, I used to play outside, play with sand. I never used to watch TV and we didn't have all these social media and, you know, iPads and phones in that, in that time. So for me, I feel like my title is very different from here in London, in the UK. Um, but I think, I think I'm doing all right so far. I don't know. I don't think I had to answer that question in terms of like, how is it different? What, what do you, what do you, what, what do you think? No, it's true. Cause me, I have the same thing. So I grew up in Nigeria as well. Um, I came to this country when I was nine years old and I literally didn't even know what McDonald's was no. until I came to London. Like oh, you said that cause my first meal when I was, when I came, I still remember it was sausage. It was Ben and Matthew sausages. And <laughs> I love sausages because of that. Because of that. It's true though, because like all we knew, all I knew was playing outside. All my family lived um, all around us and I had a similar thing to you. So even though I had my mum around, I was raised by my grandparents, my aunties, my uncles. So everybody just helped. So it, it is different now. Um, even me being a mum and it's just kind of me, my husband and my son, even though I have, you know, um, grandparents nearby, it is a different 
thing. And now, back in the day, my mum would just tell me, yeah, go and play. And then whenever I came home, that's when I came home. Yeah. Because you had your neighbours to kind of help you and look after you as well. So whereas now I'm... I'm a bit, you know, more cautious of, like, obviously my son is only one, but I'm thinking in the future, oh, where is he going to play? There's roads everywhere. I think I'll the be space, more... Well, the space is obviously much, much smaller. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, okay, except you live in a mansion in St. John's Wood or Hampstead or something like that. Everyone's, everyone, everything is just pokey pokey. Yeah. But in, that's just the environment, I guess. But in terms of, like, the motherly, you know, like, being a mum and everything else, it's, I mean, it's just, I, I would say... I don't know, it's the same, I would say, in terms of how I grew up and how I'm raising my children, because the norms, my, my cultural norms and everything else that I used to do when I was young, like, you know, the food I eat, yeah. and, you know, going to church, it's the same as, you know, growing up. So I, I think I've kind of preserved that in a way. It's just the environment that's different. I'm just doing a different environment. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of, um, obviously, you're, you're Nigerian and um, were you always fluent in, you know, your native language or is it something that you learnt as you grew older? So, um, going I came here when I was twelve. Um, I just turned twelve. I think I was eleven. I, I was just about to turn twelve. Um, and I I was already speaking Yoruba at home. Um, and then when I came to the UK, I think because my family, my mom, my my parents were here. My siblings were already like old old enough, and they didn't speak any Yoruba. I think we just I just kind of like started speaking English, only English at home. So even like for a good quite a few years actually, my my parents would speak to me in um in Yoruba and I would answer in English and I think it was just a norm in the house that would just not respond like in Yoruba um and I think because also when I came as well I was already like I think I went straight into year eight I'm going into school I used to get made fun of my accent I had a really strong Yoruba accent Nigerian accent or whatever and I think I kind of like felt that if I stopped speaking Yoruba or if I didn't speak Yoruba my English would be you know um the accent will come and I'll have an English accent and it did because obviously when you're that young and you're in school you lose your accent very quickly. So I lost the accent. I started speaking in a, you know, British accent or whatever. Um, and then for a long time, I didn't speak Yoruba until I now went to university and I made some friends. You know, when you go to uni, you meet, you meet friends, like there's, yeah. there's no students. There's, you know, you just, it's a different environment from secondary school and, and college. And I made lots of like Nigerian friends that were from Nigeria. And that's when I realized that I never stopped speaking Yoruba. I still speak Yoruba fluently. I don't actually know what happened, actually. You just, I think you just stopped speaking for a while. And then when you start speaking it again, it just came back. It comes back. Again. It just came back, yeah. And my husband, I'm married now. My husband is Yoruba. Well, he's not Yoruba, but he speaks Yoruba. And we speak Yoruba at home to our kids. And I made an effort, you know, I'd said to myself that I'm going to teach my kids Yoruba from a very young age. None of this, like, you know, I don't, I don't speak any Yoruba, even though I was born in, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I did start taking Yoruba for a while. And then it came back again after when I went to university. It's funny because literally I had exactly the same experience. Um, my, me and my sister, we were born in Nigeria, um, in Lagos as well. So my sister came when she was 11. Similar to you, she went straight into year eight. But I was going into year um, year five. And um, we spoke Yoruba. In, well, in Nigeria, we, we spoke Yoruba and English. So we understood fluently and we could speak it. But we mostly spoke English in the house like you. Like they will speak to me Yoruba and I'll answer back in English. And when we came to London same thing all my friends they were all British and they were looking at you like where are you from I don't understand what you're saying and then I was like no 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 all the Jamaicans remember all the Jamaicans they were the ones yes it's the Jamaicans isn't it 
ah, I, I said no, my accent will change and I literally will practice my the things that I will say or I'll think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And then even when I was at home and my mum would be speaking to me in Yoruba and expecting me to respond back in Yoruba, I always respond in English. And it wasn't until I went to... So I had a friend in secondary school who came later, but she came straight from Nigeria and she came into like year 10 and she was fluent in Yoruba. And we went to college together and she used to say to me, how can we be talking about all these people behind their back? If if they understand what we're saying, we need to speak together in Yoruba. And it's not even like she taught me, but she made me speak it even more. Yeah. Yeah, and before you know it, I was just like, oh, actually, I, I do know how to speak this language um, a lot better than I thought. And I made sure when I had my, my son... Um, it was actually you like when I saw um, Culture Tree and I started following you on Instagram I literally spoke to my husband and I said you know what let's do it let's just not have it die with us like my husband speaks you about fluently he speaks it to his dad on the phone all the time and I'm like let's just do it with with, um, with my son Xavier I was like every so now I'll say something in English and I'll say the same thing in Yoruba so that he understands what I'm what I'm saying so Hopefully, by God's grace, it will it will catch sure, on. Um, Victoria, it's a lot of work, you know. It's not as easy as we're saying it is. I know we're making it sound like it's easy. Let, let's do it. Let's do it. It's but it's actually quite hard because even my kids are now six and three. When Kemo was the, my first daughter, when she was a baby, it was easy. It was like Kemo, what? Glo, everything. She knew everything. The minute they start school, anyway, don't worry, you have me. I have experience. So. I'll, I'll call you. Help me. <laughs> when they start school, then it gets hard because then they start, they, obviously, they're in school, they're speaking English all day. Yeah, every- and they come home, and then you're saying things that they used to know, like you know, the head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And you're like, No, mom, come on. She's like, Mommy, what's that? I'm like, eh? <laughs> How can you forget? Mm-hmm. You know, even yesterday, I was actually playing him like Yoruba songs, like, and I was playing it to him and stuff. And I was like, I need to I need to do this more often. It's true what you're saying. It's like when they're babies, it might be easy, but as they get older and older and older, they might not want to do it as much but then how how were you able to you know as you as you kind of refound your love for speaking the language fluently what made you now think oh let me just let me turn this into a business and let me try to you know start teaching other families um the same thing okay what it was actually i remember this very vividly and i always tell the story it sounds like it sounds quite cliche but it's actually from a need that i had so um I, like I said, I wanted her to learn Yoruba. Um, and then I looked on YouTube because I noticed, you know, when you're busy and you're doing things, you just put YouTube on and give them the iPad. All mums do it. I'm not, I don't feel any shame about saying I yeah, used to yeah. do that. <laughs> so I, gave her, I used to give her the iPad and just get on with my work or hoovering or whatever. And I noticed that she would always like watch nursery rhymes. like, And there were so many different nursery rhymes. There was like all these other channels. And it, there was one day she was watching one and it was in Hindi. And she was like singing along, like nying, 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 like she was trying to sing along to what they were saying. And I'm like, wow, kids, you know, you know how kids are; they can just catch on to anything. So, yeah. And then I said, okay, this is good. Maybe there might be a Yoruba song that I can, you know, look on YouTube. And I googled Yoruba nursery rhymes. I remember, and there was nothing. It was literally one man on a on a on a guitar just playing like one song. And I was like, there's actually nothing available in Yoruba. So why don't I put something out there in Yoruba? Like, because I already sing to her at home anyway. That's what we used to do. We used to sing quite a lot of old songs that I know. Like my grandma used to sing to me and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, let me let me let me see what's available. There was nothing. So I started doing my own research, um, looking at, you know, is anything on YouTube, is anything on the internet? There wasn't really anything at that time. So I had this idea to like, you know, translate them the songs like um head, shoulders, knees and toes, old McDonald had a farm, bingo. I think the first one we put on the website on the YouTube channel was Old McDonald had a farm. Anyway, so I got in touch, I I translated the songs into Yoruba. And then I got in touch with a music producer that I know. 
um, had him make some beats to the songs, went into the studio, recorded the songs, got an animator. I found an animator online, got him to do some animations for the songs that we were writing. And I put them on YouTube. This was in 2015. And within a few days, I was like, I didn't even think anybody, I thought it would just be me and her, like watching it, like a few of our friends. Like I would send it to a few friends and people would be watching. I didn't even get a chance to even send it to friends. Before I know it, people were watching it and commenting and like, oh, we love this. This is amazing. And then I, and then I started putting, you know, videos weekly or every other week. And it became quite popular. I'd get lots of feedback from parents because obviously we can, you can comment and say what you like on YouTube, if you like it or not on YouTube. And then I set up a page. And then from, from that YouTube channel was how this whole thing started was just from the YouTube, me putting myself on YouTube because of a need that I had. And that's how we got started. And then people were asking, no, it came okay. Oh, do you know any classes? We would love to come to a class. You know, is there a mother and baby groups that we can go to that we can learn um, you around? And I thought, oh, yeah, there is actually, I can do that. And then that's how the, and then another business started again from just... Imagine. Another business started, I started doing classes. I used to do classes in North London and South East London. I used to use Canada Water. I did a few in Canada Water Library and I did a few in, um, there was a, there's a place opposite Tesco in Torrey Keys that I did a few. And then I used to use a school in North London, North Finchley. And I had regular people coming. It was really, really like, I was like, wow, this, this is... From that small thing, you just get different. And that's how it's been since then. From just one thing, you get an idea for another thing. And it just goes on and on from there. It's just starting was the hardest part. And once you start, doors just start opening in terms of opportunities and what you can do. People start coming to you with ideas even of what you can, what more you can do and stuff like that. And it's just grown since then. So it's mad because it's not like, you know, you've always had this passion to teach, um, you know, Yoruba class. It's just something that you, you saw a gap in the market. You saw something that was lacking, um, especially something that you wanted your children to experience. And you thought, why, why can't it be me to start this myself? Yeah, exactly. I'm not a Yoruba expert by any means. Like, I don't even, I'll be honest, like, I'm not even the person that you come to if you want to, oh, how do you write this? You know, Yoruba is very, like, tonal. Yes. So name, for example, Bemi Sola. A lot of people can't say, you, even you said Bemi Sola. As well. No, no. <laughs> Bemi Sola. I know how to say it, but you know you have to do it for the, for the you know, for the Ajabotas. <laughs> oh, the Ajabotas, exactly. So there's, there's a lot of, like, Yoruba, you could say one word and it could have, like, five meanings. I'll give you some examples, like, there's Oko, Oko, or call, like there's so many different things. There's, there's so many words that you can if you don't if you don't put the right intonation and the right um, ami put it ami but it's diacritics on the top of it it could mean something totally different. So you're right, it's hard. I'm not gonna lie, it's not a, it's not an easy language to learn. So I have teachers who teach the adults, and what I can't do, I always like I, I'm very honest with myself and say okay, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do. So with adults, for example, I have teachers who teach adults, and then I teach younger kids because kids are kids are as long as you're teaching them the right thing and it's fun and you make it engaging, they're fine. So um, so in terms of like just being able to like see opportunities and not say no, <laughs> I never say no. <laughs> can you do this? Of course I can. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'll find a way. <laughs> yep. You, you, you'd say yes now and then learn how to do it later. <laughs> yeah, can you, can you teach this? Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but then like what now you, okay, now that this business is now coming off the ground, you have different places that you've been teaching now. How were you able to take it to the next level and um you know get core people like how were you able to even market yourself what made you even think of instagram like what made you actually go to the next step to actually get it to that higher level because obviously now you have a hub that doesn't just do you know 
You don't just teach the language. You have online courses. You now have a whole culture tree TV that people can subscribe to. You have um, lessons and classes on a regular basis. What? How did you turn it from one-off um, lessons to this now whole you know, educational course? I'll be honest, Victoria. I'm not even scratching the surface of what I want to do. And that's partly... Sometimes there's, like I said before, I, opportunities come. They always... Even if there's a close, if one door closes, another one always opens. But I feel like there's always opportunities, and sometimes it's about just being able to take up, take take these opportunities when they can, when you can, and just weighing them up and not taking taking calculated like chances and just not, you know, like when you're taking a risk, don't let it be like a risk that's like okay, it's gonna make me go bankrupt or whatever. But I always believe in seizing opportunities. So when I when the opportunity came along for a space, I saw the space and it was available. It was in a really bad state, and I but I could see the potential in what I could do in the place. It was a really big. It's like in in Peckham. It's a big look. It's a big space, and I thought, oh gosh, am I ready for this at this point in time? Is a business lady to take on this kind of liability? I just weighed it up and thought, you know what? I'm in Peckham. This is Little Lagos. A lot of people like see Lagos as little. I mean, Peckham as Little Lagos. Um, I'm already. I already have a lot of people who are asking for like classes in this area. I'm in North London at the moment. I'm in South London. I could, I could easily get more people to come to this place. I just saw that's an opportunity, and I took, I took it up. But in terms of like social media and stuff like that, I'm still learning. Like it's a lot of work because it's not a big business. It's, it's a it's it's a it's still a very small business. I'm still a one man kind of band. I hire people when I need to, but it's still a very small startup. And in terms of just being able to market myself, it's just I think that people buy from you. Don't really buy from you. Don't really buy from products. You buy from the person. Like a brand is the person. I think yeah. I, like people can understand my story and where I come from and it, res- it resonates with a lot of people. People see themselves, like, there's a lot of mums, like you said as well, you want your child to learn Yoruba. Um, and I think that sometimes you have to put yourself out there a little bit as well, which is what I need to do more of, I know that. But it's not like, they're not buying from Culture Tree. They, when, they, when, they, when people think of Culture Tree, they think of Grim Salai Simi. Do you know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. like, you. I'm not a, um, it's, it's a brand, but it's a person as well. So you're not just buying from a, a faceless person. You need to put yourself out there as well in terms of letting people know your story and what you're about, why you're doing what you're doing. For me, it's not about the money. And I think people, a lot of people see that as well. It's about what I what I want to do and the passion I have. I love, love, love working with the children. When they're there, I really have fun with them. I love when I see a child like come in and they don't understand anything and they go leave. My parents tell me that, oh yeah, he was singing, he was singing along all day on the, on the car on the way home. Someone that didn't even sing at all in the class, they'll just stand there looking like they can't, they don't even know what's going on. But they, the parents will give you feedback when you get home that, you know, they were singing all week, he hasn't got the song out of his head, and that gives me joy. So I think you have to have a real passion for what you're doing, and not just doing it for, for money's sake, because the money doesn't even come sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people think that you're making money, but you're not actually making money, but it's, it's your credibility that matters at the end of the day, and I think people see through that as well. And, and, you know, when you're actually speaking to these parents or speaking to these moms or dads who have these kids that, you know, might not, you know, understand the language or be fluent in it, do you actually see that? Do you actually think there's a problem in terms of in Nigerian households for not passing down the language? Because if you think about Spanish children or Chinese kids or any Asian kids or um, even like my friend, she has a, um, a bilingual, so her daughter is half Ghanaian, half Spanish, but her daughter literally is fluent, understands Spanish fluent, fluent, fluent and can speak it as well and she's only two but then on the other hand, some Nigerian households might not have that why, why do you think that is? I think 
to be honest with you, I think because you know our lingua franca is English in in Nigeria, and I think it it goes deeper. A few people think of different things. For me personally, I think that is changing now with our generation. With our parents, obviously, it was a case of, um, you know, you're in a, you're here in the UK, you're immigrants. Let's just you know, <laughs> let's just do small small and just like get on with it. And you don't want to yeah. have you don't want you don't want to stand out too much. And we had the issues with you know people laughing at you know your accents, so they didn't want that. So I think it was a case of protecting us as well in terms of like being able to like assimilate ourselves into a different environment, speaking the language, and not you know trying to rock the boat too much. But I feel like with our generation, it's different. We realize that okay, we now you know we there's no there's no there's no opportunities that we can't access because of our names. Even even though there is still that check, there's there's still a big you know our names kind of like stand us out because you're Nigerian by your name. Even if you're as British as you know with accent is like Queen's English, if your name is I don't know when we sell out your surname is another name, they know that you're Nigerian. So people already ask you, oh where are you from? Kind of thing. Even if you speak in an English accent, they'll still ask you, where are you from? So a lot of people are starting to realise that, okay, you know what, wherever we are, wherever we go, we're always going to be Nigerian. Why don't we just take everything that is us, including our language, and make it our own, and not try and let this language die, as you said earlier. So a lot of people are feeling the same way as us, how, how we're feeling, especially our generation that have now having children. But I think the issue is that because they themselves don't speak the language very well, it's hard. Like the Spanish, for example, their parents maybe didn't speak to them at all in English growing up. Um, I know I know a lot of um, Mandarin people. They don't speak English to their kids at all. But we, because our lingua franca, even in Nigeria, is English, we we grow up speaking English. And as as you know, Nigeria there's like fifty, I think fifty five languages. There's so many different languages in Nigeria. So the the one the one factor that the one language that brings us together is English. So a lot of people speak English as their first language, and not their mother tongue. So um, it's harder for us. Um, and I think that's just made the main reason. And then obviously into marriages as well. Like a lot of people tend to marry people that are not from the same culture as them. Um, and it's hard to now say, oh, you know what? It's, you can you can just say maybe one parent will speak one language to the other and the other parent will speak another language, but it's hard. It's really, really hard. Do you know, it's funny because I had, I had a friend who his, his mum was French and his dad was German. And he was saying that they'll be at a dinner table and his mum will speak to him in German, in French and he will respond back in German like he he can they could all three of them can have a conversation in three languages at the same time amazing I'm still doing to be honest with you I'm still doing a lot of research I'm still on this journey because there's a lot I want to learn as well about what I'm doing and I, I think that's the one thing to do is never stop learning whatever you're tr- what, what you're doing never stop learning I'm still doing a lot of research I'm working with a lot of people who have like knowledge about this area you know bilingualism especially with the uh, mother tongue learning and stuff like that I'm just still trying to figure out exactly why it is that these other cultures and these other languages are so good at passing on their language. And I think one one thing that they do is um, O-P-O-L. So that's one person, one language. So, for example, if I'm, like you said, the your, your friend whose parents speak German and French, one person speaks that language, the other person speaks. And the kids, because kids are so, like, they, they, their brain is so soft, it's like sponge. They take anything in. Anything you say to them, they will understand. Like, my kids, they understand you about fluently. I'm still trying to get them to speak it. There's nothing I can say to them that they don't understand. But because I because we mix English and Yoruba, which I've stopped doing as well at home, so we do. I speak Yoruba to them. My husband speaks English and Yoruba, but I'm try. I try. I'm not saying I do it all the time, 100. percent But I try to speak just Yoruba to them, and it's working. There's a lot of things that they learn, but it's really hard because obviously, when an English environment, we're not in Nigeria, yeah. where you're just by virtue of the fact that you're in Nigeria, you can hear Yoruba around you. But even surprisingly, Victoria, even in Nigeria, I have family members who don't speak any Yoruba to their children at all. 
Yeah, I I didn't have that. In when I was in Nigeria, we went to an international school, so they spoke English in international school. And even though my mom and dad spoke Yoruba to me, they also they wanted us to like what you said. They wanted us to have be fluent in English and have that English culture, even when we were in Nigeria, because they didn't want us to be, you know, Nigeria. I know it's really weird. I feel like it's a status thing as well. Yeah, it is. It is a status thing because when you speak English, especially in Nigeria, you're now of a higher class almost. Yeah, it's um, it's changing. I mean, a lot of people, because I, I have people from Nigeria as well who are really, really interested in what I'm doing and it's, 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 it's got a lot of support from people around the world, really, not just here in the UK. So I'm grateful for that. It's just it's just a case of just trying to change people's perceptions. It's slow, slowly but surely we'll get there. But then how do you, how do you find those audiences? Because obviously now you're saying you, you have international um, interest in what you're doing now. Is it just organically, are they just finding you on, you know, social media or through word of mouth? Or are you actually outreaching? Um, I, th- I think it's organic. A lot of people tend to find me through YouTube. So people are actually searching. So when I look at my analytics, the, the highest, um, my highest audience is in America, United States. And then it's followed by here in the UK. And then there's Nigeria, a few in Nigeria. It's a lot, of, a lot in Canada, Germany, um, all around in random places like Uzbekistan. I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> a bit random. Nigerians are everywhere. Sure. <laughs> so a lot of parents, I get a lot of emails. Seriously, I get a lot of emails from parents telling me that, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. Can you please do more? Um, but obviously, with what we do, it's expensive. So I'm trying to pace myself. I'm not like, you know, going to debt or whatever. I'm trying to think outside the box and looking at ways I can make, you know, the productions cheaper and getting grants and funding and stuff like that. So looking at opportunities that I can get hold of. But no, it's just organic. People just find me organically. And I do, I do, um, I have done, I think I did Instagram. When I have events and stuff like that, I do Instagram adverts. But I don't really advertise it, to be honest. It's just been really organ- organic. And then there's obviously word of mouth as well, which is, which is like, I think that's probably one of the main things is word of mouth. That's amazing. And you know what? It's actually amazing what you're doing, because like you said, we are in the generation where people really, really want to make sure that their culture is passed down to their families. It's not even just Nigerians, even my Ghanaian friends who don't know how to speak, you know, Twi or the other Ghanaian languages um, and other and other cultures who found that, you know what, I don't want this to I don't want it just to be my parents that understand this language i want my kids and it's not just the language it's the food it's the culture is the um attire and the clothes and the dressing etc so it is something that you know millennials quote unquote are really pushing for the next generation but what do you think is next for culture tree i know you said that you haven't even scratched the surface on what you're gonna do but what's next do you you think you're gonna take this on tour are you potentially gonna travel and you know do these classes internationally what what do you plan on doing next with your with your brand new business I think for me, one thing that works a lot is I, I want to reach a lot of people, right? I, I, don't, I don't want it to be a case of, okay, you're just doing this now, you're, you're quite comfortable in your little, you know, you have a hub in Peckham and I want it to be global and for it to be global, it needs to be, it needs to go beyond a physical space. So exactly for like, so we're creating an app um, and as you said, there's a lot of people that it's not just Yoruba. Because culture tree is not, it's not called Yoruba tree, it's called culture tree, which means that it's African. And I always try and go away. People, a lot of people, because I started with Yoruba, so a lot of people think it's just a Yoruba thing that we do. But we're actually looking to expand into other languages as well. So I'm looking to expand into Igbo, Tree, um, Hausa, Swahili. Swahili is a big one. A lot of people are always asking about Swahili because it's one of the 
the largest spoken languages in Africa. So a lot of people ask for that. So I'm looking to expand in, in terms of what we what we can do, having an app. So I want to create learning resources for parents as well, because obviously our homes are where most of the learning takes place, in the home. So for me, it's about making sure that people, parents, have um, resources at home that they can use at home to teach their kids. So it's about immersion as well. It's not just about, you know, watching. And another thing is I don't want kids to be watching iPads all the time, you know, looking at the TV or watching. There needs, there needs to be other learning taking place. So we want to create resources as well, like books, um, you know, handheld, handheld um, devices that they can use. Um, and also... Um, actually doing more events like as you say taking it on tour because you know like we have we haven't we're working on a few programs as well i don't know if if you know this but we actually do production so like for example last year i was in nigeria because my main thing is making giving africa a, a positive face so we were in nigeria last year filming a series um and that's one of the things that we we've kind of ventured into as well as production for children so aside from the cartoons we also do live animations we also do live productions with kids so we're trying to show Africa, we're trying to show kids that, you know, Africa is not just like impoverished and, you know, what you sh what you see on, um, you know, these charity videos. Because my daughter, yeah. I remember watching, we were watching um, Wakanda and they were like, this is Wakanda. I'm like, is that New York? And I was like, <laughs> when, she sees, when she sees somewhere, she's like, she's really surprised. Even though we go to Nigeria quite often, when she sees like big houses and stuff like that, she's surprised. A lot of people are surprised that this is Africa. I'll tell you one story, right, if we've got a bit of time. No, I did, because I do workshops as well. We went to a school in Essex. It was Black History Month last year. We went to a school in Essex. Um, and then we were telling kids about Africa. And we asked, one of the questions we asked was that, what do you know about Africa? And one of the boy, one of the, put, the little ones put his hand up and he said, yeah, there's a lot of poverty there and there's no water. And I was just like, obviously, you're, you, this is what the kids are being fed on, on, the, on media. This is what they see. They don't know anything apart from what they see. The child was like, yeah, there's no, you know, there's no water and the people are really poor. And I feel really sad. And I was like, no, 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 there's more to Africa than that. So we showed him some pictures of Africa. We told him about, you know, our kings and our queens and how a lot of a lot of things, you know, we, we, we fought in the, in the First World War and all the, the Nigerians came over and helped, you know. And it was a lot of things that we had to educate children about. So there's a lot of misconceptions about Africa that we're trying to change as well for our own children as well as outsiders. Because if you don't feed them, if you don't give them something, people will feed them their own narrative. So the narrative right at the moment is that, you know, Africa is poor and there's no, you know, we're all suffering and we're all like, you know, you need to get sober. Do you, do you walk, do you wear shoes in Africa kind of thing? Oh so, my gosh. Oh, that's what we used to get asked. So there's a lot of misconceptions and, and the wrong narrative being pushed. So my idea is to like have production companies that, that shows like, it's for children. So we do productions for children. We show, we do a lot of um, content um and yeah so that's one side of it because culture tree has a lot of branches right that's why we named it culture tree because the tree has a lot of branches so there's a lot of things i want to go into it's endless literally the possibilities of what i can do you know merchandising as well um having a t so we have the tv production we have merchandising we have the events and then going on tour that's one thing i'm excited about because america is a big market um for me um so yeah we want to see how we can explore that market as well uh, it's just taking it's, it's just not trying I'm trying to run my own race I'm not trying yeah. to run uh, you know it's hard because one minute you're like oh my gosh there's so many there's so many things I need to do but at the same time you need to run your own race you need to just take yeah. it you know don't don't rush ahead of yourself kind of thing and just take it one, one step at a time and not trying to rush keep your eye on a goal but not trying to like rush too much into different things but like a magpie in the next shiny thing you kind of run for it which is what I used to do yeah very spontaneous which can be a good and a bad thing in a way because when you're spontaneous you can just decide one day I'm going to do this and then you leave everything that you're doing and rush to it but what I've learned is to just pace myself and not try to do too many things at the same time 
that's literally me. Like, I'm very spontaneous. I can have an idea and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then tomorrow is, I've already started. So I, I think this year I've learned what you're saying, you know, to really, you know, it's good to have different ideas. It's good to want to do different things, but really find the right timing and pace yourself and do it properly rather than rush it and not do it properly. Um, but thank you so much for being on this podcast. You've been really amazing. Um, before you go, I just want to ask you one more question. So um, if you had to give any advice to any up and coming business owner who maybe wants to um, focus on a niche market or maybe um, want to open something, a product or service in like a smaller market, similar to what you've done, what advice would you give them? One thing that I would say, and, and this is actually from my heart, is <laughs> don't procrastinate. Because one of the things that, well, it's, it's, you know what it's about, it's the thief, it's a, it's, it's, I don't, I don't say it's a thief, it's a thief of time. <laughs> This is your about me coming out. It's true. Even me, you know, some you know I can't say advert advertisement advertisement. I can't say it in the English. I want to adverts. Yeah, that's all I as advert or advertisement. That's all I, I can't even say it in like an English way. But yeah, carry on. I went to when I was at work once I was like, con- yeah, I'm gonna make I am having a concussion today. And it's concussion. <laughs> I said, Yeah, I'm having you know, when you mix different food together. He <laughs> was like, You mean concoction? I said, Oh, yeah, concoction. <laughs> Because we've, I've always said concussion. Like, that's what oh, I've always called no. it. No, of, I, you don't the Nigerian in us is coming now. Oh. But one, one thing I would say is that, yeah, do not procrastinate. Just start. Whatever you want to do, just start. Start small, but just start. Like, that is literally my only advice. Because a, a lot of us say we're going to do something, and then we're like, oh, no, the timing has to be right. It has to be, you know, the conditions have to be right. You need to do this. You need to have 10 people. You need to have this, this. If you have two people, when I started the classes, it literally was, I think I had three people and then my kids. I just started. You just have to start where you are. Start as you are, where you are, what you have, with what you have. If you have just, if, it, if it's in your living room that you have, start in your living room. None of, not, nobody starts big. Like, I've been doing a lot of research and looking at people that, you know, started. That's one thing you always get is just start and don't procrastinate. And just, it's not about the money. Like, if you're going to do something, do it well. And obviously, at the end of the day, we do want to make money from it. But when you first start off, if you don't have the passion for it, you lose interest very quickly. And one thing is, a lot of people will come and try and say that they're going to do the same thing that you're doing, but if your heart is not in it and you're just in it for money, it won't work. You get bored, you move on to the next biggest, you know, the next money maker. But as long as your heart is in it and you want to do it, just start it and don't procrastinate. That's my advice. Thank you so much. And oh, before you go, if you have one Nigerian word or saying that everyone who's listening should at least know in Yoruba, what would it be? Just any anything. I'm even trying to think myself. I don't have any. No, it's not even. It's just my. I always said it's no wahala. That's my. No wahala. Mm. No wahala. That's gonna be in everyone's lingo now. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Oh, Bemi, you've been um amazing. Oh, Bemi, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for um your time. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak about your business and your experience. Um, I've actually really appreciated appreciated you coming on our podcast. Um, and thank you all for listening. Um, if you um, have any other questions or you need more information about Culture Tree, make sure you find her on Instagram at Culture Tree or you can have a look at her website um, or find her in um, in Pekka. Maybe have a look on her website. You have you can see her address. Um, she has many, many things that she does, many workshops, classes, etc. for adults and children. So it's, um, it's for all. So make sure you check her out and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We are available on Spotify 
Spotify, on SoundCloud, Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you can get a notification every time a new episode comes out. Um, So you can have a listen. But that's it for today. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.